0: So let me ask you a question. How many of you in here had so much fun last week talking about lying and finding out how we're all a bunch of liars that you've just been hoping and praying all week long that we talked about something equally as fun today? Well, you're in luck. (laughs) But before I tell you what we're going to talk about, let me ask you another question. How many of you in here feel very, very, very uncomfortable talking about sex, especially with the preacher? Oops. Oops. Hope you didn't bring guests today because that's what we're going to talk about. And just like all the other stuff we've been talking about lately in the Gospels, the lying and the anger and the money, this particular God, this particular giant, whatever you want to call it, is dominant in our culture. It's in our face, and it's stubborn, and we got a problem with it. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. We've been in Matthew several weeks now. He said, You've heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye calls you to sin, it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand calls you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. We, we've talked about this several times as a church that anything in our life, even if it's good, can become an idol. And, and sex is no different. And it's good, by the way. It's good. And I want to lead with that because way too often the message of the church on this issue has been just the opposite it's bad. No, no, no. Stay away from it. Listen to me nothing could be farther from the truth, it's a lie. Sex was God's idea, it's his invention, and we ought to thank him for the genius of the creation of it. Uh, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 18, Solomon says, there are three things that are too wonderful to me, four that I don't understand. By the way, when you see language like that, it's the fourth one that he's pointing to. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a skunk on a rock, the way of a ship on the sea, and the way of a man with a woman. The way of a man with a woman. I agree with him, that's a wonderment, you know what I mean? How many of you in here have ever seen the March of the Penguins? It's a documentary, but Morgan Freeman is the narrator of it. And uh, it, it's a fascinating uh, picture of the emperor penguin in the South Pole. Now, the plot's not near as exciting as Spider-Man 2, I'll give you that. But it, it's, a, it's a really neat thing to watch. I, I, when it's time to find a mate, the penguins go on this kind of a march deal. And, and you ought to see it. They, they walk through 70 miles of the most unbelievable freezing rain and snow, and then when they get 70 miles, they all gather around this big circle and do kind of the speed dating thing because they're looking for Mr. and Mrs. Wright Penguin, which is also very important. Proverbs 29 verse 1, he said it's better, Solomon says, it's better to live in a shack than it is to live in a mansion with a nagging woman. Can I get an amen? Oh my goodness, you... Sucker, but you're going to have a long afternoon. Anyway, Morgan Freeman says that one of the greatest mysteries that scientists have not figured out yet is what a a female penguin sees in a male penguin. But it must be pretty exciting because when they do get together, then she lays the egg and he sits on it for two months into freezing rain. Some of you saw that. It's just crazy. And, and she marches back 70 miles to get something to eat. Scientists have found out over the years that in most species, it's the father who sacrificed for the family and the mother who wants to go out to eat all the time. I think that's what the movie said. I'm not quite sure on that. But anyway, why the mom's gone, the baby hatches and the dad takes care of the chick until the mom gets back. And the chick's about to starve to death because they don't have any food. But the dad unbelievable, has saved a little bit of food in a pouch in his throat, and just about the time he's starving to death, he coughs that up and feeds it to the baby. Now, I know that sounds gross, but have you ever smelled baby food, Gerber? I mean, that stuff, it smells as bad going as it does coming out, but anyway, it saves this penguin's life, and then the mom comes back, and so now it's the dad's turn to go walk and get him something to eat, but as he leaves, he sings a little song to the chick, And the chick sings a little song back to him. And now he walks back 70 miles to get something to eat. By the time he gets back, the mom has gone again to get more food. They love to eat. And the baby chick's all by itself. And now there's thousands of baby chicks. How's he going to find his chick? He sings the little song that he sang to the chick. The chick hears it and sings its song back, and they get together. Is that amazing? The God we serve is amazing. That all just happened by chance, origin of species. And this family is some species we've never seen in the South Pole. And, and the writer of Proverbs, uh, Solomon, says that this whole thing of sexuality, this, all the nerve endings and all the sizzle and all the body parts and all the desire, is so strong it causes penguins to march 70 miles just to get together. It's a wonderful gift from God, sexist. And again, we need to say that because that's not always been taught by the church. Between the 3rd and 10th century, uh, the church uh, had so many rules. They, they forbid sex between married people on Thursday because that's the day they said Jesus was arrested. You couldn't have sex on Friday because that's the day he died. You couldn't have sex on Sunday, obviously, because that was the day of the saints. And, and then over the course of the years, it became uh, against the rules of the church to have relations on 40 days of Lent, and then you couldn't have it on 40 days of Pentecost, and then they threw in some. Some fast days and some holidays, and Philip Yancey noted that at one time it gets so bad in the church between those centuries that there were only 44 days a year that a married couple could come together as a married couple. Is that crazy? Some of you are saying, that's a nightmare. Some of you are saying, where can I get that counter. Listen, God could have made reproduction the simple, mechanical, joyless act of natural instinct, but he didn't. He made it a joyous thing. In fact, one of the words in the Hebrew for sex means a mingling of the soul. Isn't that cool? It's a good thing. But here's the problem with the gift. If we're not careful with it, and get out of hand so quick. I know I've told you this before, but probably top five, maybe top three gifts, best gifts I ever got for Christmas, I got when I was six years old, a Tommy gun. Seven guns in one. Now, I expected a gasp from the audience. Did you not hear me? Seven guns in one. It shot caps and bullets and grenades and little rockets. And I was so tickled to get that gun. It's one of the greatest gifts I ever had. But it soon became a problem at our house because, Jimmy, it's time to come in and eat. Give me a few minutes. I'm playing with my gun. Jimmy, it's time to take a bath. I can't find my rocket. I'll be in a minute. Jimmy Dale came. That that meant business. It's time to gun in and get ready for church. You know what? Y'all go on without me today. I'm going to miss services. I'll be playing with my gun. It didn't last very long. I got separated from my gift for a time. And the problem all started because the gift had become more important to me than the giver. Anytime the gift becomes more important than the giver, we're in trouble. And that happens to us anytime God has to compete with anything that he's given us. Sex is a wonderful gift from God. But if it gets out of the spiritual context in which He gave it to us, it becomes a god, and then it becomes a tyrant, and then it becomes a slave master. And it has got this culture by the throat. And we need to talk about it. Now, I don't know how long it's been since you read 2 Samuel 13. I'm going to get my lessons from that today. We're not going to read the chapter, so when you get a chance, do that. But it's the story of um, David's son, Amnon. Most of you remember it. And his half-sister, Tamar, and this gift gone bad. Verse 2 tells us that Amnon became obsessed with the sister, so much so it made him sick. By the way, you take a note of that and write down the word obsession because that's an idolatry word. He was so full of obsession, that's all he thought about. That's all he could think about was lusting after his sister. Verse 2 tells us that that's all he think about. And then, you, well, you remember the rest of the story. Amnon had a buddy. Uh, and he came to him and said, what are you so down and out about? And Amnon explained to him the situation. His friend said, well, this is, there's an easy fix. Call your sister over. She makes the best homemade bread. Tell her that you're not feeling good, that that would be the best thing for you. When she comes in to make the bread for you, you get everybody out of the room, and you can take it from there. So they set the plan in motion, and what happened next is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. According to the Bible, he grabbed her. She resisted. He grabbed her again. She said, think about this for a minute, Amnon. Think what this will do to our reputation. Think what this will do to our family. But according to verse 14, he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than her, he raped her. He raped us half sister. He gave in to this God sex. And it caused devastation and destruction to that family like you couldn't believe. And to the entire nation before it was over because he gave in to this guy. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I don't know if you'd say it, but you're thinking, first of all, Cain, I don't have a half-sister, and second of all, I would never do anything like that to her. I want to tell you something, family. That's exactly what Amnon thought, all the way up to the point this happens, because this particular god of sex specializes in taking people farther than they ever dreamed they would go, never in their wildest dreams. And here's what we do every week when we talk from the scripture, especially uncomfortable stuff. This isn't a lot of fun for me either. But we try to get honest with ourselves and see if we're having a problem in whatever area we're talking about this morning. I'd like you to do the same thing. I want you to be honest. Are you having problems with this particular God of sex? Are you obsessed with it? Is it one of the last things you think about before you go to bed, one of the first things you think about when you get up? Do you daydream about it at work? Do you think about it at school? Have you spent money on it? Have you risked your career and marriage over it? Do you fight with your wife over it or your husband? If you've answered yes to any of those questions, please reread 2 Samuel 13. Please pay attention this morning and run down to this altar and let's beat this thing. Because it's, it's fierce. Here's some lessons from 2 Samuel 13. The God of sex actually will become a pleasure paradox. It's crazy how this happens. Pretty much true about anything that's good that becomes a God. When that happens, the pleasure it used to bring just disappears. I, I mean, it's, just, it's inevitable. Write it down and watch it happen. It, it's almost like it's crazy. The more you chase it, the less likely you are to ever catch it. It's what philosophers today call hedonistic paradox. And the idea is if you chase anything for pleasure's sake, it evaporates right before your eyes. And it's the truth. I mean, that's what the Bible says happened to Amnon as soon as he gave into this and, and uh, took advantage of his lust in his half-sister. One verse later, the Bible says, he hated her more than he loved her. How can that happen? He's obsessed crazy about her for months and months and months. This thing happened, and he hated her more than he loved her. You know why? Because this God didn't satisfy him the way he thought it would at all. It never does. This was such a paradox. It just took a few minutes. And when it was over, he was full of hatred and contempt. Family, the God of sexual pleasure promises amazing satisfaction. Read the magazines. Go on the websites. Get on the computer. Look it up. It's good stuff. And just think about going a little farther with your boyfriend than you should little farther with your girlfriend than you should. Think about maybe stepping out of bounds with somebody else's spouse. And then finally give in to that desire and you're going to find out that God cheated you and lied to you through the whole thing. You won't get anything out of it. In fact, what you thought would fill you up will cause so much emptiness immediately. And you'll get this crazy desire for more. You thought the steak would sizzle. You thought there'd be a payoff, but what you end up with is you get this crazy sensation that you just gave part of yourself away that you're never going to get back. It's like my Tommy Gun thing. When the gift replaces the giver, things go south quick. And when you and I start worshiping gifts or worshiping sex before we worship God, we're going to find out this paradox is real, devastating. Second lesson, the God of sex takes everything and gives nothing back, always. You know, a classic example of of a false god doing that is in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 and the whole story with Elijah and the 850 prophets of Baal. It's one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. Remember the scene? Elijah's on this mountaintop. The prophet of God against the 850 prophets of a false god, Baal. And the idea was they were going to set up these altars, and, and they were going to put a bowl on it, and whichever God lit the fire, that was the real true God. Remember that? And Elijah threw water, gallons of water all over his, and then God lit it. And the whole idea was he wanted to make sure everybody knew who struck that match. But he let the prophets of Baal go first. This is what happened. He said, choose one of the bowls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. You go first. Call on the name of your God, but don't light the fire. He's going to do that. So they took the, uh, they, they took, uh, the bull that he had given them, and they prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there's no response. There's no answer. I mean, duh. Shout louder, he said. See, at noon, he begins to taunt them. The Bible says a little trash talk going on. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a god perhaps he's in deep thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and cut themselves with swords and spears so as was their custom until their blood flowed. I mean, I love that story and how that all ended up, but this is a crazy part of the story where you got 850 supposedly intelligent men cutting themselves and screaming after a false God who never showed up. He's a fake God. And we look at that today and we think, how silly is that? They're thinking the more they worship, the more they worship, the more they worship, they'll finally get a response from this false god and it never happens. We laugh at that, but I'm asking you, family, are we not doing the exact same thing in this country on the altar of sex? The exact same thing. I told you two weeks ago that we spend $3,000 a second in this country on pornography. 28,250 people a second get on a, a, a pornographic site. Every 39 minutes in this country, there's a, another pornography movie made. Every 39 minutes. 79% of our young people have seen por- pornography. And, and I mean younger than college age because 88% of our college kids have seen pornography. This is crazy. We spent more money on pornography last year in this country than we did country music, jazz, and classical music put together. We spent more money on pornography in this country last year than we did on baseball, football, and basketball combined. We spent more money on pornography than NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox News. We spent $12 billion on pornography in this country last year. I said billion with a B. Remember how long it takes to count to one billion? 31 years, 256 days, 7 hours and 46 minutes, to count to 1 billion. We did that times 12 on pornography. Kind of makes those prophets of bail not look so silly, doesn't it? People sacrifice their marriage, their children, their career. I've been in ministry for over 40 years, and I have never seen anything like this. Our kids have it on their phone. They have it on their computers. We got it on our TVs. And people say, Jimmy Kane, it's just pictures. It's not just pictures. I love you, but it's not just pictures. What it is, is us putting our souls on the altar before a God who just wants to consume us. It's that simple and it's that terrifying. And it looks a little different than the Mount Carmel incident, but it's the same thing. We're dancing and shouting and sometimes giving our blood to this God who's not going to give anything back. That's the way it is with false gods. They take and take and take and take, and they never give anything back. They promise us around the next corner, one more dollar, one more pill, one more drink, one more person. One more sacrifice, but they never give back. Verse 29, midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until time for evening sacrifices. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid any attention at all. Family, I want to tell you something. I love you very much. There will be no response from this God of sex ever. Ever. And I'm sick of watching people I love Worship a God that will never give them anything back. It's got to stop. That's why Solomon says, guard your hearts. Watch your heart. There was a policeman in Kentucky who just about two weeks ago uh, came upon a horrific car accident. He had to guard his heart. Did I say he was from Kentucky? He had to write a field uh, report. Handlebars in ditch. D d e -E d d e d i t c h ditch. Front wheel in grass, g g r a s s grass. (sighs) Body in median, m e -E m e a m. Body in ditch, d i t c h. That had nothing to do with the sermon, but I got to tell you, I had to have a break, man. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought maybe you did too, okay? Listen, we got one more point, and then we're going to run up here to this altar, okay? Here's the last point The God of sex will always take us from good to bad. Always. And, and not only will the pleasure disappear, but pain is involved. Think about what we've already learned about sex. As a gift, it brings connection. As a God, it causes loneliness. As a gift, it brings pleasure. As a God, it leads to emptiness. When it's a gift it's satisfying when it's a god it leads to slavery when it's a gift it brings intimacy when it's a god it brings separation as a gift it brings unity as a god sometimes causes divorce so the truth is sex is a beautiful gift but it's a tyrant of a god it's a slave master and it's it's a master of bait and switch a, a, a friend by the name of Kyle his daughter wanted a gift and uh, all he had or it wanted a pet and all he had was about five bucks. So he's a cheapskate like Darren. So he bought a, a, a goldfish. That's what she got. And she couldn't wait to get home to play with her goldfish. Why did he play with a goldfish? So here's what they decided to do. They put the goldfish next to the swimming pool. And Nemo, that's what she named him. Nemo could watch her swim. And she could watch Nemo swim. She said, Daddy, can Nemo get in the pool with me? And he said, No, Nemo can't get in the pool because the chemicals will kill Nemo. He's too little. Well, one thing led to another. You know how kids are pretty soon nemo was in a pool and he said if you ever tried to catch goldfish in a swimming pool it's hard to do but nemo sooner or later nemo finally um slowed down and then turned over on its side and then floated to the top and it, it was toilet time for nemo okay now uh, i'm sad about that i hate it for nemo and i hate it for that little girl but we all know what happened there don't we yeah yeah that that fishbowl looks so restrictive And that swimming pool looked so enticing. And I bet at first, when that little fish jumped in that pool, that felt so good and so freeing, but it turned out to be poison. It killed that little fish. And that restrictive little bowl that seemed like it was such a terrible thing turned out to be such a loving gift. And I'm just telling you, that's this whole thing with this god of sex. It promises so much, but it's toxic. And the more you get in, the nastier it gets. And it touts the whole time how restrictive God is. Are you kidding me? That old-time preacher of yours with a fuzzy beard and the gray hair. What's all this talk about sex before marriage and all that kind of stuff? Are you crazy? That's so old-fashioned. A wild stallion should be free to roam. Nothing could be farther from the truth. I, I want to remind you, family, that when you get the bill from this particular God, you won't be able to pay it. Worship is a powerful thing. And when we worship the true God of the universe, it does crazy great things in our soul and it ripples all through eternity. But when we worship this God, it brings hell to earth. I want us to have plenty of time to pray. That's why we do this at the end. We've been ending up here lately with a challenge I got several challenges today. Number one, here's my first challenge: teach your kids. You know, we got some young ones in here today. You think, ah, it's too bad the kids are in here for the... No, no, I'm glad they're here. Because this particular God, the age they're coming after our kids is getting younger and younger and younger. Proverbs twenty-two six says, "You bring up a child in the way they should go, and when they get older, they're not far from it." You have no idea how young these kids; they're being bombarded. They're seeing things and hearing things that you and I didn't see and hear until we were junior high and high school. And there's people teaching them things that don't love them near like you do because you know what they want to do? They want to change who they are. They want to give them a certain agenda. You know what I'm talking about? They want to sell them something. And you have absolutely no idea how important your wisdom is on this when you can talk to these kids about the truth And you can talk to these kids openly about the mistakes you've made. I know a couple in this church, in this church, that fell victim to this God of pleasure and took it on head on after a mistake. Do you understand me? After the mistake, they took this God on and with the help of the Holy Spirit, obliterated it, blew it out of the water, and their testimony is healing and helping dozens of people. Teach your children and do it now children grandchildren nieces nephews kids that you know there was a commercial on years ago this goofy looking nasty boy and he says if you don't talk to your girl about sex i will and that's the way it is tell them about it number two just do what we always do repent if you've got a problem in this area, take care of it. Jesus said, uh, cut your right hand off, gouge out your right eye. He's not talking about dismemberment. He's saying, you go home today and check things out. If there's DVDs, there's books, magazines, things on your computer that are leading you in this direction, get rid of them. Cut them out. It's better to go without that than, than the alternative. Thirdly, do some reading. Man, there's some good stuff. I get a hold of my sister. She can tell you some great stuff. Uh, every man's battle is a book that Eric taught several times here. Every, uh, every woman's battle. Every young kid's battle. Fourthly, mostly for men, make a pact with your eyes. Job 31. Job said, I made a pact with my eyes so that I don't uh, lust at a woman. I've talked to you about this several times in my 30 years. Craig Jackson taught me this one. of him And I've done it several times over my ministry make a pact with myself. I'm going to look at ladies from the shoulders up, on this stage, on the stage at home, the movies. And then fifthly, find an accountability partner. Have somebody speak the truth to you. What are you watching, man? What, what are you listening to? What are you reading? Acton came out last night. They spent the night. He said, would you text my mommy and see if I can watch blah, 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 blah. I don't even know what it was. Mommy said, no. Some of us need to ask our mommies, you know what I mean? The best accountability partner we have at South Union Christian Church is the Holy Spirit that we've already welcomed and and prayed in here. And around this table, He's so powerful because we're recognizing the broken body and shed blood of the the Son of God Himself. So we give plenty of time every week for you to work with the Holy Spirit and whatever's going on in your life. And if there's something going on in your life today, Let him deal with it. Don't come running up here during communion time or don't just open it up and take it right now. Take your time. Sing a song or two maybe. Let him work on your heart a little bit and then take care of that. And and if you're here today and you've not accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you you could kill two giants with one stone this morning. The first one's the biggest one. Just come and confess your, your heart to Jesus.